Thank you, Eric. Good morning. Great to see everybody. What beautiful weather we've been having and uh, continuing today. Just so thankful we can be here together at this time, and we're very blessed to be so. Let's be sure to remember the Lord's Church all over the world at this time. A uh, lot of stresses being placed upon a lot of people in a lot of countries, and, and that includes the Lord's Church. Let's be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ everywhere, as well as across this country. But please keep our congregation in your prayers on a regular basis, that God continues to bless us and that he'll guide us to be the church he wants us to be always. Over the last several weeks now, I have been presenting a series of studies beginning with the question each time, what does it mean? We began talking about or asking the question, what does it mean, really mean to be lost spiritually and eternally? And then we talked about in response to that, what does it mean to seek forgiveness? Then what does it mean to come to Jesus? And now what does it mean truly to be born again? What does it mean to be born again? When we look at the scriptures and we listen to people around us, I believe there's considerable confusion in the minds of a great many people as to what it really means to be born again. There are some out there who tend to identify a supposed born again Christian as a group separate from other Christians. I heard that one time from a lady and it, it rather surprised me. She said, I'm a Christian, but not a born again Christian. Well, there is no other kind of Christian but a born-again Christian. If a person has been truly born again spiritually, then he's a Christian or she's a Christian. If a person says, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a born-again Christian, then they need to go back to the drawing book, you know, basically speaking, and understand that the two are inseparable. They go together. But these people tend to understand being born again as some kind of experience that happens sometime after or separate from being saved. And that's not the case as we understand in the scriptures. Being born again is a vital biblical subject. We need to understand well what it really means. Now when we look in the scriptures, and we had some of those read to us this morning as we partook of the Lord's Supper, there are a number of different references in addition to just born again, that phrase, that refer to being born again. Now we do go back to John chapter 3. I appreciate Eric reading that a moment ago. In John chapter 3, Jesus told Nicodemus that a person must be born again in order to get to heaven. In verse 3 of John chapter 3, after Nicodemus had come to Jesus, he was a member of the Sanhedrin council, Nicodemus was, he had become at least something of a person who, were, who was paying attention to the teachings of Jesus as he was upon this earth in his ministry here, bringing the gospel message of salvation to all of mankind, saying, I'm the, I'm the savior that has been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds of years. God has sent me now as the savior. And he came specifically to the people of Israel who were supposed to be looking for the Savior, ready for him, because they had the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Savior. And as they would come to the Savior and, and, and be baptized into him, 
then they could spread the gospel message throughout the Gentile world all over the world. And so Nicodemus was paying attention to Jesus and his teachings. And I think we probably get some understanding that he had come to believe in Jesus, at least to some extent. Now he comes to Jesus in John chapter 3 under the cover of darkness. It says by night. He's referred to later in the, in the gospel accounts as he who came to Jesus by night. Now that was, I think, to protect himself or at least an attempt to protect himself from being identified as a follower of Jesus. And, and especially since he was a member of the Sanhedrin council. So he comes to Jesus by night and he expresses some degree of faith in Jesus. And so Jesus then says, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that confuses Nicodemus because he, he thinks from a spiritual perspective as to what Jesus said. And so he says, how can a man be born again? Can he enter into his mother's womb again? And Jesus goes on in verse five and he says, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now there's some clarification from Jesus for Nicodemus and for us. He's not talking about a physical rebirth, He's talking about being reborn spiritually. Except a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then in verse seven, he becomes perhaps even more emphatic, but certainly by repetition, just as emphatic in this particular teaching, when he says, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. So there's no equivocation on the matter. Jesus is being emphatic. Except a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Except he is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. A man must be born again, or you must be born again. And certainly when he uses the, when we see the term man in that particular text, it's generic, it's referring to all of humanity, to everybody. So being born again, that means a person has been born of water and the spirit. And only those who have been reborn in that way will be in heaven. So there's the term or the phrase born again. But now notice, as I've said, there are a number of other expressions in the scriptures that refer to being born again. They simply use different kinds of, of wording to get across the same idea. Peter, the apostle, we go back to, I'm going to pick up verses 5 and 6 again in, in John chapter 3. Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And I wanted to bring that out. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he's responding in this way as a result of Nicodemus's question, how can a man be born again? Can he enter into his mother's womb again? So Jesus is clarifying, what I'm saying to you is you must be reborn spiritually. What is of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now Peter linked being born again with having purified your souls. In 1 Peter chapter one, beginning with verse 22, he said, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, 
through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, Peter, in a similar fashion, but using different words, he's teaching the same lesson that Jesus taught Nicodemus. You have purified your souls in obeying the truth. How can we be born again? We've got to obey the truth of God's word. Jesus said in John 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. In verse 31, he said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So we must live by his teachings in order to really come to him for forgiveness and salvation. And therein do we come to the point where our souls are, are purified or our sins are forgiven. And Peter says, we were born again and not of corruptible seed, like Jesus told Nicodemus, not of the flesh, not a physical rebirth, but a spiritual rebirth through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So Peter was writing God's very word, and it is absolutely parallel to what Jesus taught Nicodemus on that night when Nicodemus came to him and it should not be surprising at all as to the unity between Peter, what he said, and Jesus, what he told Nicodemus, because Peter was writing the very word of God. Second, Second Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 20, Peter wrote, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Now, a lot of people will say, well, I just don't interpret it that way. You interpret it your way, I interpret it my way, you know, yeah one of us has got to be wrong because there is no contradiction in scripture, in God's word, doctrinally at all, whatsoever, because God gave his word to the inspired writers through the Holy Spirit to make sure they wrote God's very word. So knowing this, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit moved by the Holy Spirit, guided by God through the Holy Spirit to write God's very word. And that's basically what, what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. He reminds Timothy that, that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. That's what Peter said too, isn't it? Born again by the word of God. Paul saying the same thing. You have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation, wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, literally meaning it is God's very word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is powerful, powerful. Now we've seen that the apostle Paul wrote in Romans 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. God's word is powerful to change lives to change lives. So 
having been born again, that's the primary understanding of what we're talking about. What does it mean to be born again? Peter says he links it to having your souls purified through the word of God. Well, James goes on then, and James said, God brought us forth, which also indicates a birthing process. We understand that. Brought us forth, a birthing process, and we should not be surprised by this point, by the word of truth. So we're talking about a spiritual rebirth through understanding and then responding in obedience to the teachings of God's word. In James 1 and verse 18, of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. When we look at the first chapter of the gospel account according to John, in verses 12 and 13, Speaking of Jesus, he begins by talking about in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he talks about everything that was created, created by him, through him, and so on. And then in verse 12, he says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of God, or rather of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so, obviously, again, we're talking about a spiritual rebirth here, and that, that, we're given that opportunity to be blessed in that way as we come to Jesus Christ as God's Son and our Lord and Savior. In John chapter 6, and verse 68, when Jesus had taught what apparently was a difficult lesson for that multitude, at least a lot of the people in that multitude, who had been there when Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 men the day before. And then he and the apostles go across the sea. Those men, a lot of them hung back. They you know, did not go home that previous night. They saw he was gone the next morning. They got some boats. They went across the sea. They basically tracked Jesus down, and, and so they said, show us some signs. Show us some signs. I think the sign yesterday was a pretty good sign, don't you? He miraculously fed 5,000 men over with just a, a little bit of food. But it was breakfast time now, or maybe it was getting toward lunch. Anyway, show us some signs. And Jesus, he, he wasn't buying into that. He didn't come to be a physical king. He came to be a spiritual king. And, and so he, he was telling them, except you eat my, my flesh and drink my blood. Now that can have a very profound, deep meaning of you've got to really take my teachings in and become a part of me as you come to me. To be baptized for the remission of your sins, you come into me at that point. You put me on. But we could look at it from a surface, more surface level perspective and say, hey, the scriptures teach we need to partake of the fruit of the vine as the blood of Christ and the bread as the body of Christ, the body that would be broken into through the nails piercing his hands and feet, the spear piercing his side, the crown of thorns 
being pushed down upon his, his head and obviously piercing the skin there and blood trickling down his face. We need to understand that's, that's the, the fruit of the vine is representative of that blood that is shed on the cross. The bread is representative of his body being broken into through those nails and thorns and spear and so on. And so he says, you, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Well, a whole lot of them walked away. They didn't understand. How can we do that? And so he turns to his apostles who had not yet walked away and said, what about you? Are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. So all of these texts that we've been looking at obviously, obviously are referring to eternal salvation. Being born again, having our souls purified, since the wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and verse 23, we need to have our souls purified, our sins forgiven. So all of these texts are talking about ultimately eternal salvation, eternal life with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven. Well, what about another one, another frame of reference? In Galatians chapter uh, 6, 6 and verse 15, we read about if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creation. Well, I've been baptized into Christ. A great many of those sitting here this morning have been baptized into Christ, most of those who are here today. You know, I, I went down into the water. I was, however, six feet tall or whatever I was at that time. I had blonde hair when I came up out of the water. I still was six feet tall. I still had blonde hair. My nose was just as long as it was before I went into the water. Now, it's been way later than that that the hair is gone, but it wasn't when I went down in the water and came up. Physically, I looked the same, and so did everyone else when they were baptized into Christ. But spiritually, we became a new creation, and that's just another expression that points to the same thing that Jesus told Nicodemus, except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. In, in, in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 15, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And then in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new from a spiritual perspective. That spiritual part of us becomes new, becomes recreated. And this fits exactly, perfectly, and explains Jesus' instruction to Nicodemus as to having, been, having to be born again of the water and the spirit in order to get to heaven. Well, if I need to be in Christ in order to become that new creation, in order to be born again, in order to have my soul purified, my sins forgiven, how do I get into Christ? Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Remember Jesus, the gospel, basic message of the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God's Son. We're baptized into his death. 
Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We're raised in newness of life into a new life, recreated spiritually in a sense. We have been born again as we were baptized and there is the beautiful parallel on a spiritual level to the physical, literal death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We're baptized into his death. We're buried with him through baptism. And as we come up out of that watery grave of baptism, we are raised up, made new, raised up to walk in newness of life, a new creation. What a great image that is. And again, it fits perfectly and explains what Jesus was trying to get across to Nicodemus. Well, let's look a little bit further. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. Paul talks along this line as well. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man. And again, man used generically there, referring to just men and women, obviously, male and female, from the two thus making, pre thus making peace. So reborn, made new, a new creation, Paul says the same thing, in making in himself, making one new man. And then in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24, and, you, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now there's some key characteristics of becoming made new, of having our souls purified, of having become a new creation spiritually, of having been born again. We're living in true righteousness and holiness. Now we're gonna stub our toes sometimes, make some mistakes, but we can go to God in prayer and, and repent and ask his forgiveness. And he's already said, I'm ready to forgive you. Colossians 3, verses 9 and 10. Paul again writing, Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man, who we were, what we were like before we became a Christian, with his deeds, and have put on the new man, that born-again person, that new creation, that purified individual who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. What great texts of scripture these are. These fit Paul's description as well as what Peter talked about, what, what uh, uh, also James talked about, what Jesus meant when he told Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Now, look, let's look a little further. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, we have another figure here or another expression that gets across the same message that we have to be born again. We have to be changed spiritually, forgiven of our sins, reborn spiritually in order to walk with God through Jesus Christ faithfully, righteously, in order to be able to look forward with confidence to eternal life in heaven. Romans 6 and verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And so crucified with Christ? Well, just as Jesus told Nicodemus, I'm not talking about a physical rebirth. I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth. 
And so crucified, literally nailed to a cross like Jesus was? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, again, a spiritual transformation, if you would. In Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul said, and he's speaking of himself, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying, my Savior literally was crucified on that cross. But when I became a Christian, I became crucified to that old life. And I became new in Christ. And I live now faithfully before him as well as I can. Now when I make a mistake, I, I, I can repent and come to God in prayer and he'll forgive me. When we look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24, it's explained a little bit more. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm refocused now. I'm focused on a more spiritual lifestyle, on a life, on a life that says I'm walking with my Lord. In Galatians 6 and verse 14, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He's talking about I have been changed. My life is different now. My focus is different now. It is redirected spiritually because I've been reborn. I've been born again in Christ. And look at the way Paul put it in Romans 12, beginning with verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God transformed transformed same thing as being born again same thing as being made a new creation same thing same thing as being as walking in a new life putting off the old man who I was how I was before and putting on the new man I'm now a Christian I'm now walking with and for my Savior true Christians are born again Christians the one is indicative and descriptive of the other. There's no such thing as a Christian who is not a, a true Christian who is not a born-again Christian. They go together a hand in hand. They are the same. John 3 and verse 3 again, Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 5 again, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, as he is baptized into Christ, he's baptized into his death, his life changes. He's been crucified to the world. He's, he's no longer going to live that old life. He's going to be redirected. He's going to be born again, born of water in the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water in the spirit. And then in verse 7 again, you must be born again. To be born again is to be saved in Christ and we're baptized into Christ. Romans 6 and verse 3. A true Christian and a faithful follower of Jesus is what comes up out of that water. Someone who has been made new, 
a new creation, one who has been crucified to the old way of the world that he used to live in, one that has had his soul purified through Jesus Christ, one who is living a new life in Christ because he has been born again. And that comes, that spiritual rebirth comes with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places that can be found only in Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Isn't it a great image? Isn't it a great blessing to be able to think about and then have the opportunity, the God-giving blessing and opportunity to have your life changed for all of eternity, to be saved, to be forgiven, to be redeemed through the blood of Christ, to be able to look forward with confidence to eternal life with him in heaven because you've been born again. You were baptized into Christ. The blood that he shed on the cross cleansed you of the guilt of your sins and you were raised up from that watery grave of baptism made completely new, forgiven, redeemed, purified, saved, born again. If you need to take that step, we encourage you to step forward this morning or talk with us privately afterwards. If you need the prayers of the church, we encourage you to step forward and let us know so we can pray with you and for you, or again, talk with us privately. If you need to study, please, please let us know so we can help you understand, perhaps even more thoroughly, that God has made the way for you to be changed for you to be born again and start a new life in Christ. Won't you come if you need to right now as we stand together?